So we're back doing the TGS mock draft. Uh, you can see this. For, I think, the, do we put the whole thing up on the website, even though we'd only gone through the first round with the first pod? Or are we actually putting on the website half and half, Matt Sherry? Um, let's just half and half, eh? Oh, I've made you make a decision live and I'm glad I've done it. Uh, so this is the second half-ish of the draft. I think at the end of this, we will have a quick talk about Patriots needs, if you're okay with that. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, you're getting a, a decent... You've got two picks at the back of the end of the second, right? You've got a compensatory pick as well. Oh, they've, they've, got, um, they've got 11 picks overall. And, <laughs> Which is um, stunning, considering you're not picking in the first round. Yeah, and they've also got... I think it's four in the top in the top 90. Yeah, I'm sure you're picking at 60 and 61, so... Yeah, I, th- I think they've got two-thirds as well. Just go, just go and get two interior offensive linemen at 60 and 61. One of them will work out. Yeah, they don't need any interior offensive linemen. That's overplayed. Yeah, they do. They really don't. They drafted two last year, and people in the world of NFL who want immediate results forget that sometimes it takes a couple of years. Ah, nonsense. Uh, right, let's talk about the teams who have got a first-round pick. Uh, and at 17, the Atlanta Falcons. I mean, uh, again, we talked uh, on yesterday's show about the Saints being desperate for needs all over the defence. I don't think the Falcons are as desperate, but it's they just struggled so badly getting to the quarterback last year. The lack of pass rush was massive. Uh, and so someone athletic and in the front seven sounds like it would really suit to me. Yeah, I actually think they need an athletic linebacker who can play in space. And, and that's why... Um, Simon yesterday mentioned um, Miles Jack as a guy that they potentially could trade up for. So once he's off the board, you're kind of looking for the next best guy. There, there are two options here. You've got Reggie Ragland, who is more of a thumper and, and, and will do most of his work on first and second down. And then you've got Darren Lee, who's been one of the the guy who I've got them picking, who's been one of the biggest risers in this draft. He had a brilliant combine and then has risen up boards since then. He's really athletic. Gives you a little bit of the, the kind of thing Jack can do, sideline to sideline. This is very much a need pick. I mean, I, I don't love combine stars, really, but I, I, do think, I do think Darren Lee can be a really good player and he makes a lot of sense for, for the Falcons. Uh, yeah, I, and I tell you, I do think pass rush is an area they'll be looking massively, but with the three kind of top guys already off the board, Bosa, Floyd, Buckner, uh, I imagine they will struggle to get someone on that front, considering the type of scheme that they play, the same as the, the kind of Seattle. It's kind of a four-man-ish front, the way yeah. it's a lot of stunt plays, etc. But they got Vic Beasley, obviously, last year. He was not as productive as you would have hoped for picking up a guy that high, but showed he him flashes. He did get those, flashes. yeah, went, went on yeah. Beasley, though, as well. The, um, I, I, the main thing is, I think, the, the three linebackers, I think the drop-off after them is enormous in terms of Ragland, Lee, and Jack. So I think they'd probably take that chance on a linebacker and hope they can add pastoral help, but they are desperate for pastoral help. They were in for Chris Long and a couple of other guys that they were pipped to the post. I mean, and, and yeah, but I, I think ultimately they'll go linebacker in the first round. Yeah, and I, I actually, I did. You mentioned Reggie Ragland there, and, and we'll talk a bit more about him coming up. But I think that potentially, if he's still there at this point, I think that's a really interesting pick for them. Um, I think that's somebody who they may. That's somebody who I think they need somebody who can captain in the middle of their defence and who can be that kind of driving force. And I, I, 
there's kind of a lean to walk away from taking middle linebackers high in the draft. People don't aren't valuing them as high. We mentioned it earlier when we talked about Miles Jack, but it's a lot of teams playing the nickel package so often now in the passing league that they have been somewhat underrated. And I think Ragland, if he's taken at this stage, 17, 18, 19, 20, he's actually a player who has top 10 potential in terms of look at this draft class in three years' time and you're going, wow, somebody got a real bargain with him getting him at where they got him. But he's just... It's almost like running backs is a position that's just been really undervalued in recent years. Yeah, especially those guys who were... I mean, it's it's why it's it's for example why Dante Hightower, who is easily the best player on the Patriots' defense, doesn't get as much credit as Jamie Collins. Everybody thinks Collins is better when actually he isn't. I mean, it's close, but Hightower is the better player because those thumpers and organizers have kind of been people are desperate for the guys who can cover and make interceptions like and, and Keekley and Thomas Davis. But ultimately, a lot of good defenses are built around guys like Ragland. Keekley was going to be the prime example I was going to use because even though he plays middle linebacker he looks more like a guy playing say on the strong side who can cover as well it's just that he's so talented it takes a guy being that level and that ridiculously good before people start to pay attention to a middle linebacker nowadays anyway that's my little rant over at 18 you have the Browns trading down again because you think bad teams want more picks bad teams are bad teams for a reason Matt um, but it's I can really understand why Arizona are looking to move up here it's already a player that we mentioned with Simon yesterday Ryan Kelly the centre out of Alabama uh, nobody wants to pick a centre in the first round no GM wants to go there and go hey fan base we went really sexy and we picked a centre but everyone who talks about this guy talks about him being uh, a pro bowler for years to come yeah that's what he is I mean it's it's fairly simple, really. Arizona are one of those teams who, with Carson Palmer being a very old 36, need to sign players who can play immediately in positions of need. Center's a massive positional need for them. The incumbent, incumbent at the moment, um, Lyle Sen... I can't even pronounce his name. Sendlin, I think it is. Isn't a very good player. Um, <laughs> he, <laughs> I, I, I thought you were going to say he's in decline because of his age. It's just not very good. I mean, he, he's been a good centre in the past, a, a decent centre in the past, but he's getting poorer and poorer as the last couple of seasons have gone on. And, and the offensive line is Arizona's big problem. That's what they need to, to fortify, especially with that passing attack. I mean, it doesn't help when it's taking three or four seconds for the ball to come out on every down because you, wide receivers are streaming down the field. So that, they massively need to come out with play, come out of the draft with players who can play and play well immediately in positions of need and and I think with the four tackles gone they'll be panicking about a run on offensive line and, and, and Kelly makes a lot of sense to Washington at 21 so I think if they can get ahead of them and and get Kelly, they'll, they'll get a great player. I'm really interested in your pick at 19. For the Bills, uh, I have their needs. I think they need a right tackle desperately, uh, particularly with if they're going to want to run the ball uh, as much as they did last year. Uh, wide receiver help would be great. There's still a lot of talk about one of the reasons the Jets might move up like they did in your draft is that maybe the Bills will be looking at Paxton Lynch at 19 if he's still there because they there's a lot of talk around the organisation that they don't necessarily trust Tyrod Taylor as a long-term option. Um, I, and I just think when you look at the scheme that's in place by Rex Ryan, 
you may be, for me at this point, just look for the most dynamic player available in the front seven. The defensive line, look at linebacker and say, who's the guy who's going to, A, be able to get to the quarterback, but also be able to mentally deal with all of the things that Rex Ryan's going to throw at you in terms of scheme, etc. And there are guys who seem to fit that from, again, from what other people... I mean, uh, there's still a few people like Andrew Billings, Aishon Robinson, those sorts of guys on the line still available. But you went away from all of that and took a corner. I did, and this is... This is one of those where some people are going to look at this and say, "This is the I'm just going to press the X button on this because this is the most ridiculous pick ever." Because <laughs> they don't really need a cornerback because we've got two very good ones in uh, Ronald Darby and Stefan Gilmore. But there is this is just a Rex Ryan situation, which is, <laughs> is why I've done it. He, his kid went to Clemson. He will know Clemson inside out. And and it's interesting what you said about the front seven. I think that is a complete myth. Uh, Rex Ryan's scheme needs good cornerbacks, and that's why the Jets' defense was still really good when he was there at the end, because he he's so clever at scheme and pressure up front that you can give him any guys, and provided they know what spot they're meant to be in, he'll make it work. So having three good cornerbacks is key in the NFL, especially against the Patriots in that AFCE. So I, I don't think that having a third cornerback's an issue. And they need cornerbacks for this game. Mackenzie Alexander is chippy. He would be a nightmare to play against as a wide receiver. He's basically everything that Rex Ryan loves in human beings. He'll have seen him a lot. He'll have been around him a lot. And I just think this could happen. That, that, it's all about Rex and Rex what he loves. I can imagine him watching Mackenzie Alexander falling in love with him. And, and, and it does fit the scheme as well, as much as they've already got two very good corners. Uh, let's move on then. And at 20, um, was this one of the... Yes, this is off the back of one of your, your trades and jumps around. We've got the Oakland Raiders. Now, the Raiders in terms of needs, there's some interesting ones here because they have done, theoretically for scheme fit, etc., uh, from what they've done in free agency i kind of love everything they've done and think that i have to wash my mouth out with soap when i think back to how down i was on reggie jackson in his early time at oakland because he's really impressed me i think offensive tackle is a consideration here if one of the good tackles is still on the board not because they've not got a good line i think they've got a very good powerful line but Donald Penn is like 85 years old now. Um, so there's some consideration there. Uh, defensive backfield certainly is somewhere they should be making consideration. I'm still very high on them looking at a running back. Uh, I don't know why Ezekiel Elliott would slip to 14 in their original position, but just in case he did, I don't trust... Uh, I, uh, from what I've seen out of Latavius Murray, A, I think it's too small of a sample size. I think people like him because of his fantasy numbers, but I don't think he's as good as he projects to be. But then you've been very, very sensible. And with one of my favourite picks of the whole first round, they've managed to trade down for six positions and make their defence even better than it already is in theory. Yeah, Reggie Ragland, who we, we mentioned a lot just, just kind of ten minutes ago, goes to Auckland. Um, I actually I, I love Reggie McKenzie and I'm I'm pleased he was given the chance that he was earlier to to continue on because he could have very easily been fired a couple of years ago but he's from that Green Bay t- tree of uh, Schneider and lots of other good general managers are from and he, he's just a really he's a really smart guy and it's amazing how the the turnaround that he's enjoyed over the last few years and and to me Raglan would just be the the pick that summed up what he's what he's done well recently I mean. We've already mentioned he's a very safe player. He's kind of what they need. They've got 
they've got their two edge rushers in, in Khalil Mack and, and Alden Smith when he comes back from suspension. They've got Bruce Irvin, who I think will play more in in terms of similar to what we were saying earlier with somebody like Jack, who they'll, they'll move around in coverage, rushing the passer and doing a lot of things with. And I just think getting a guy like Raglan to, to play in the middle of that defence and, and, and where the where the dot on his helmet and call the players it makes so much sense for the Raiders, especially now that Charles Woodson's gone. They need that defensive organiser, and it doesn't have to be at safety. A middle linebacker's perfect for that role as well. Yeah, and for, <laughs> I, I do think if you want to talk about most improved teams in the NFL over the last two years, what their defence will start to look like at this point if they bring him in uh, at middle linebacker as well. You'll have Bruce Irvin outside him, Khalil Mack ahead of them. Uh, Sean Smith, I absolutely love as a signing. Reggie Nelson, I absolutely love as a signing. Uh, I just, yeah. I, I, it's a, there are two teams in the Bay Area, and they're trending in very different directions right yeah, now. Yeah, and Reggie Nelson, nobody's mentioned. That was a great signing. Laid in the draft. And, and, and I think Leon Hall is still available as the other Bengals defensive back who is head-scratchingly not being picked up earlier. He's still got a couple of good years left as an experienced corner. But yeah, Reggie Nelson was a great pickup as well. They've done a lot of good things. Auckland should be, I mean, they should be a top four team in the AFC next year with the talent they've got. The problem is that they've got Jack Del Rio as head coach, so you can't guarantee anything. Yeah, I, my feeling is I think they won't quite be that level, um, but they will be. They should be a playoff team next year. If they're not a playoff team this season, I'd be really surprised. But if they're not, see, what, what worries me. If they're not a playoff team, Del Rio would be the guy who would have to go because Reggie McKenzie's done his part. He's put the pieces in place. And I'm fairly certain Jack Del Rio was a Mark Davis hire as well. I could be wrong on that, but I seem to remember those two having some kind of connection that led to that bizarre hire at the time. So it'll be interesting. I mean, he should be able to coax. I mean, they should get to the playoffs, as you say. He should be able to coax playoffs out of this team, even in that tough division. So on to Washington, and uh, this, you mentioned here the fantastic move they made this week already. Secondary was certainly somewhere we thought they were going to be looking. They went and picked up Josh Norman. Uh, when the, the, his release by the Panthers was first announced, or his rescindent, rescindment, rescindation, I don't know what the word is if you talk about it in past tense, uh, of the franchise tag. When that was announced, I questioned how he would fit into a lot of the teams that he was mentioned for. But what an incredible fit he is in Washington. Uh, they play the exact sort of same zone scheme, and he's going to be going up against two or three of the best receivers in the NFL twice a season. So Washington make a great move there. And considering they've sorted that need out already... Scott McLuhan, one of the best drafters in the business. Where's he going to go? Uh, Jaron Reid, I think, the defensive tackle from Alabama. And uh, we've said this all the way through on defensive tackles, but this is another guy who could go much higher, could go a bit lower. It's, it's, it's just kind of picking what specific teams want. Washington lost um, Terrence Knighton to the Patriots, and their run defense wasn't great anyway. So they need to address that area as well, especially now that the back end should be much improved with Josh Norman and, and, and Jaron Reed's probably the best run defender in this draft to be honest so and I think that one makes a lot of sense I said earlier I think if Ryan Kelly's still on the board it's the centre yeah I agree I think that's a really uh, that was my other point I was going to say if someone doesn't uh, I think it's Washington you need to move above if you want to get Ryan Kelly yeah I agree I think Kelly makes a lot of sense to Washington um, but yeah I think this is a nice fit for them as well so 
I mean, I just trust Scott McLaren, really. And I, I forgot who it was, but Peter King um, suggested a really left-field guy for them. And that struck me as Peter King knowing something. So <laughs> check, check out his draft on the MMQB for who Washington will actually pick. I just didn't want to copy off. <laughs> superb and and i have no arguments with jeremy at all i think he fits exactly what they're looking for and as you say one of the best run stuffers oh, amazingly no wide receivers have gone off the board by board <laughs> amazingly no wide receivers have gone off the board by 22 but then we have a run of three guys and these are three teams who desperately need a wide receiver the Texans have gone out and spent big on their quarterback. They need somebody opposite DeAndre Hopkins, and they've had you know, a bunch of Jags just to guys there in recent times. Uh, the Vikings, Stefan Diggs had a great rookie campaign, but I don't know if he's a true number one. They could do with somebody. The Bengals lost their number two and number three receivers to free agency. And so you've got three receivers going here, and let's kind of bundle these together and talk about this receiver class. Yeah, I mean, I've went with Treadwell for the Texans. I've kind of just went for the the first two of my two favourite receivers in the draft. I, I would pick, as I said earlier, or said yesterday, sorry, Treadwell much higher than this. But and the Texans could probably use more of a speed guy. But I, I'm not. I'm no big fan of Will Fuller. I don't think he's a he's a first round pick. I just think you pick the best guy available, and and that's Treadwell. But ultimately, I think they'd be happy to get Josh Doxson who I've picked to the Vikings next, and Corey Coleman, who I think I've drafted later on, yeah, with the Chiefs. And I've actually gone for Sterling Shepard um, at 24, who a lot of people don't have in the first round, but I think of, of all the receivers available, he might be the one who can come in and play immediately. And the Bengals need somebody to come in and play immediately, because right now they've got AJ Green, who's going to get quadruple covered while... Somebody single covers Brandon LaFell on the other side. So I've gone a little bit different with the 24th pick because I, I, I think they need to get somebody in who isn't as raw as I think Corey Coleman is and somebody who I think could come in and, and run a lot of NFL routes immediately. I think you're absolutely spot on. The Bengals, obviously, we don't know quite what their offense is going to look like because of Hugh Jackson leaving, but... When you lose two guys in Sanu and Marvin Jones, neither of whom are number one receivers, but both of whom are very good secondary options you need someone who's going to come in they're going to learn routes quickly they're going to learn the offense quickly and they're going to be ready to start pretty much from day one and that's what sterling shepherd of oklahoma represents to me uh the guy of tcu dotson uh again for the vikings is he oh, uh, just giving me a bit of a, a view on him because i've not seen as much from him what kind of threat does he offer is he deep is he a, a short route guy is he He's somebody who he's, he's he's small for a wide receiver, but he runs crisp routes. He runs really good routes, so he gets separation from that because he is just very technically very good for for such a young player. I, I actually, I mean, I have Doxson and and Treadwell as as one and one as my two receivers, and I wouldn't be surprised if either of those a team falls in love with and drafts them in the top twelve, thirteen, fourteen picks. I think he's a really really good player. And and I can't argue with that. That's why I ask, because he's not a guy I've seen a huge amount of except playing for the Horn Frogs when I've seen them on TV, etc. Yeah. But deep threat is not something that fits in Minnesota with the kind of quarterback and the kind of offense they run. So if you're telling me he's a crisp route, a crisp route runner, perfect. That's ideal. Uh, the Steelers at 25. Basically, I don't think there's a team who are in the playoffs 
who have a more glaring, obvious need than the Steelers, and that's in the defensive backfield. Yeah, I've just said that they should just take whoever they deem as the best defensive back available, and they're generally a, a best player available team wherever possible, so I'm sure that's what they'll do anyway. Um, but yeah, I've gone for William Jackson the third. He, he could, he's another guy who could get drafted higher than this. I, I don't think there's ever been a more unpredictable draft in terms of there's so many guys who you think could... I think from 10 to to 45, 50 players, any of the, that level of guys on a big board could get drafted and the 50th guy on someone's board could be 12 on another. So I think it's really... It, it's going to be an unpredictable draft, but I think William Jackson at this point is good value and I think the Steelers would snap him up. And key, he's got ball skills. Yeah, exactly. And- and the Steelers just aren't getting turnovers at the moment. Yeah. yeah. So exactly. that's massive for them. The Jags, finally, they're going to make a pick. They are going to make a pick. And it's, and it's the kind going. of area we're hoping the Jags are going to be picking in for many years to come, and that's in and around the playoff positions. Yeah, that's the other good thing about trading down. They kind of get used to picking at the spot where they should be picking over the next few years. But I've, uh, I've gone for uh, Sean Robinson for the Jags, who is... To me, the best defensive player left available and another guy who could easily go much higher than this. But if they walked away with the amount of draft picks that they've accumulated from these three trades in Sean Robinson in the first round, I think they'd be pretty over the moon. And people look at the fact that they've paid Malik Jackson but and send Eric Marks is actually a very good player, but he's injury-prone and they yeah. need, the need to, to cover that. And... Uh, for the Jaguars now, it's all about just accumulating as much talent as they can on defence, I think, and, and figuring out the rest of it thereafter. Their, their offence is going to be really explosive, we know that. So if they can if they can just accumulate the best talent available on defence and fit them into that Gus Bradley scheme, I think that is the way to go. And I, I think Robinson's that guy at the moment. I, I still feel like with Jacksonville, linebacker is the position that if there is one of those top two prospects, if Miles Jack's there, if Reggie Ragland's there, if they can move... In in your situation, if they take Miles Jack, they'll be delighted. If they move back up to get Reggie Ragland, having made the trades down, they'd be delighted. But just because I think uh, Dan Scooter's serviceable, but not phenomenal. Telvin Smith, I thought, had a good year last year. Poslosny's now ageing, to say the least. So certainly that's an area they could look. I think that's actually their biggest need area, but it just so happened... And and in all of those trade downs, they could have not executed one of those and drafted Ragland, Darren Lee, or Miles Jack. And I think ultimately that is what might happen. But it was fun to have trades trades down. But and I think that <laughs> that is probably the biggest weakness, especially when you can get a defensive tackle later in the draft. But I wanted to have some trade down, so that's what we had. I'm I'm all I'm all good with it. It's fine. Uh, the Packers at 27, and my feeling on the Packers this season is that. They've got Jared Cook's come back in. Nice pickup, fits well with what Rogers does. Jordy Nelson is uh, apparently already in OTAs, looking pretty much up to full speed. Great, fantastic news. If they can be a little more interesting on offense, not just productive, and if Eddie Lacy's weight loss proves to stick and he comes back as explosive as he was two seasons ago, they are as stacked as any team in the NFL this year. Genuinely, there are no really glaring, glaring holes on the Packers. I think they could do with some help at linebacker because they've shifted around Clay Matthews so much. Um, I think potentially they could get a, a tackle as well. They've got some age issues there. 
but I lo- I like the direction you've gone in. That this is a very weak draft at tight end, and if you compare a guy like Hunter Henry out of Arkansas with Jared Cook, and just give even more weapons to Aaron Rodgers, then why wouldn't you? Yeah, I, I just think it makes a lot of sense at, at this spot, and I think that Ted Ragland, if he dropped. Although, I mean, I've seen a lot of people mock that. That kind of assumes that they would want to move Clay Matthews back outside, and I keep hearing they need to move Clay Matthews back to what he does best. I actually think he's been better at inside linebacker than he was rushing the passer. When he was so, out this season for a couple of games, they couldn't stop the run once he moved yeah, away from he's, inside he's linebacker. He's been really good at inside linebackers. I'm not sure why people are desperate to suggest that needs to happen. Ultimately, last year proved that Rodgers can't do everything on his own. They need to, they need to put pieces around. I actually think Jared Cook could be really good in Green Bay, but the, the, the a developmental tight end to play with Jared Cook isn't a bad option because Qualas isn't brilliant. Um, so, yeah, pairing Henry with Cook, especially if they want to utilise Eddie Lacy and, and have that the, the personnel with the two tight ends and, and Lacy in there as well. I think that's the best personnel for any team in the NFL. That's why the Patriots have gone out and signed Martellus Bennett to go back to that because it's impossible to defend because you can line those guys up at receiver and the, the personnel changes um, out of that base of two tight ends. So I think it would make a lot of sense to, to get Henry. Yeah, terrified about your offence this year. Let's not talk about that anymore. <laughs> uh, um, the Chiefs. Uh, cornerback seems like a reasonably obvious position for them, but I think we've had most of the top-end corners come off the board here. Uh, they could do with a bit more explosion on offense. I know they pieced it together last year, and, and actually, interestingly, they're one of the teams people are talking about. Maybe them and Arizona are looking at taking a developmental quarterback to come in and compete. And for, I, mean, I know he's not such an Asian guy, Alex Smith, but potentially compete in those areas. Uh, but you have gone slightly away from that, and I, and I, I again, I like what you've done here. Yeah, I've gone for Corey Coleman because I think he's I think he's very good value at this point. And there is absolutely no doubt that they also need help at, at receiver for me. You can't you can't Jeremy Macklin has injury problems, so you can't always guarantee he's going to be healthy. And Travis Kelt is a brilliant tight end, but I think they could do with another guy in there as well. Um so this just seemed to make a lot of sense. And um, I think you look at what the Cardinals the Cardinals did this year. Yeah, it's exactly that same sort of thing. We, I, I, the Mitchell Schwartz pickup makes a big difference to what they can do in the run game. I think there's going to be questions over what Jamal Charles does coming back. But Shaq Hendrick West was so good last year, and Spencer Ware offered such an extra option, and Nile Davis can catch the ball out of the backfield. So they've, they're pretty set there now. So why not make that final jump with your offense? And I like to say with the Cardinals, if you can have three, four catching options out there who are all really top end viable options you can just do so much that teams don't expect and actually maybe slightly hide even though i love him and clancy doesn't slightly hide what alex smith can and can't do by continuing that offensive scheme i mean andy Reid did a brilliant job last year we saw it at uh, we saw it at wembley the different ways in which they use that offense whether it was end arounds whether it was yeah. screens catching out the backfield smith running it and this just takes that to the next level and, and Coleman's incredibly explosive as well so he would really fit that and he's he's got unbelievable numbers in college which is often the case with Baylor players but he's very very explosive I think he'd be a really nice fit there and I mean I'm not massively high on either Eli Apple or Artie Burns who Simon made perfectly clear yesterday despised so 
Um, yeah, I mean, it, I think Coleman is better value at this spot than Apple or Burns would be. The, the outside linebackers, the other position that is interesting, although we've heard this week that they believe Justin Houston will play this season. But yeah, and they've re-signed Tamba Harley. So, I mean, they, they could go there as well. They should probably try and get a developmental guy there um, later on in the draft if they can. Move um, up and get Jalen Smith in the second. That's what I'm saying, Kansas. Do that. Do it. Yeah, it would be interesting to see where Smith goes. He would have probably been the best player in this draft. He certainly, I, I mean, um, Simon talked about him as a top 10. I, w- I was looking at him before he got injured. My thoughts were, if he can drop to 6th, 7th, 8th, where the 49ers are going to be picking, so you didn't know at that point, then I would love that. I didn't expect it. I thought he'd go top 5. Yeah, he may have went third, I think, after the run on the quarterbacks. Right, conference champions... Or the, well, not the conference champions, those who lost in the conference championship game. And sadly, we only have one pick here, I'm afraid. Uh, it's, well, I, I know it's not, is it? Because you've done another, because this was the other final bit of your trade. Of course, the Cardinals moved up and picked up Ryan Kelly out of Alabama. So finally, the Cleveland Browns pull a trigger and they do it on the player or the position, at least, that everyone thought they were going to take at two until a week ago. Yeah, I've put Connor Cook in because I, I do think they'll draft a quarterback, and, and it, it's hard to know. I'd like it if they drafted a, a Cardell Jones or a Dak Prescott or a Vernon Adams or somebody later in the draft as a developmental guy if they're not in love with anyone. But I do think Connor Cook will go in round one. There's been a bit of talk recently about how he's a nice scheme for, for, for Hugh Jackson, which, which, which I agree with. Um, I, I really want RG3 to work out in Cleveland so this was done with a bit of a heavy heart but I, I, I just ultimately think Connor Cook will go in the first round I wouldn't be surprised if Cleveland did it and from an analytics perspective they've picked up a load of extra picks in, in the second to fourth rounds which are where this draft's strong plus high picks next year so they've got the chance to build the roster still elsewhere and if they think Connor Cook's the guy then they'll get him in the first round at the end I think my thought is is the way that you've got it shaping up at the moment it makes sense but if the Browns either did trade down again to this sort of position or basically if they didn't take if at eight they didn't take a course back which looks very very unlikely they're picking very high in the second round if they did trade down and have this sort of piece and there was someone on the board who fit one of their many, many other needs. Wide receiver, D-line, linebacker, offensive line. You know, if there was somebody there it's who'd been the falling game, and was talented, then, yeah, I'd go out and pull the trigger on that and then wait five more picks and maybe get my quarterback there. But the way it's fallen, it's a totally sensible decision. Yeah, I mean, they might be thinking that they're almost certainly going to be drafting probably first overall next year. So they'll get the best guy available next year and they'll just try and stock stack up I would probably say their defence this year because ultimately that's the way you can at least keep games close isn't it if your defence is competitive so I think that's the way I would go but I just think it's impossible to predict with the analytics side involved in that as well and and let's uh, genuinely let's not forget the fact that when it comes to I just completely lost my train of thought because I was reading something else um and and genuinely, let's. Me and you talked about this beforehand, but there's a couple of things here. The first thing is is that uh, drafting best player available is only really something you can do if you are absolutely stacked, 
or if you've got absolutely nothing. Yeah. You've got to be at one end of the draft or the other. You've got to be terrible or brilliant. And then you can take the best player available because you know they improve you even if you've already got nothing there or something there. Uh, it's always that you're drafting at least slightly for need. And whether it's, you know, the Titans not taking, you know, they would have taken Laramie Tunnel at the top. They would never have taken a quarterback or one of those defensive players because they needed a tackle and they got the best player available for their need. But there's also this idea of reaching. Okay, say the Browns were at 29 but didn't have their second round pick. Say that pick didn't exist and they took Connor Cook there. People would go, oh, Connor Cook in the first round, that's a reach. Well, it's not a reach if you're not picking again till late in the second round and you've not got another pick in the next 25. And actually, you're going to have to trade up if you want to get him because somebody in that top part of the second round is going to take him. You've reached maybe five spots, but you're not picking in five spots time. You're picking now. So it's only for me a reach if you're going like a full round early on, guys. Otherwise, you're drafting the guy you want, and I'm fine with that. Unless you're Ryan Grigson or Jerry Reese, and you're a terrible man. The the other thing is that the the drafting again, I think, is 33. So they they do have that pig in the bank. But, I mean, if you're going to take a guy at 33, then why not take him at 29 and accept that? you're not lo- risking losing out on your guy because you could easily have somebody trade up to 32, 31 and then take Connor Cook yeah. when there's loads of good defensive tackles available you can get a good one of those at 33 guaranteed so I, I do think it makes sense in this spot um, I'd like it if they never did it but we'll we'll wait and see uh, the Super Bowl 50 losing Carolina Panthers uh, in the last week cornerback obviously became slightly more of a need for them although they are not a team what the reason Josh Norman, one of the reasons Josh Norman went is because they're a team who don't invest in backfield. They invest in front seven and uh, that's uh, when it comes to the defensive side of the ball. And so I don't think they'd go and pick a corner back at this point. Uh, there's some talk about defensive end, I think, is a potential position here. And I like that in particular. Uh, Kevin Dodd, the guy from Clemson, is a possibility here because... Yep. Uh, yes, okay, you've got Coney Ely had a great Super Bowl and a great run towards the end of the year. You've brought Charles Johnson back for a much cheaper deal than you had him on already, which was a brilliant piece of business, but he's not Charles Johnson of two, three years ago. And then there's the offensive line side of things. You could take an offensive tackle. We all know what happened in the Super Bowl and just how ruined they were. How much of that was down to the fact that they were playing against that phenomenal pass rush and how much of it was down to holding on to the ball too long and how much of it was down to the quality of the tackles? All of those are important oh, questions. How much was down to the quality of the wide receivers? Yeah, there's that as well. So, and then, yeah, and then you could go out and get a weapon for Cam to actually throw to. So there's plenty of options there. Where have you gone? Uh, I've gone for the offensive tackle because I think that is ultimately what cost them the Super Bowl. And you're going to probably on the way to the Super Bowl again face a team with maybe not as good a pass rush but certainly a similar level and Michael Remmers and Michael Orr and not a good offensive tackle combination I thought it would cost them a lot more than it did last year um, It's difficult for me because I actually think Remmers had a really good season but just when he came up against that very very top end talent he struggled I think and both, both, both tackles were, were massively enhanced by the, the quality of the scheme yeah, and, then and that's the other thing. Found out at the end of the year, but all those I mean, heavy set lines. But are they going to move away from that next year? Are they suddenly going to stop doing that? I don't not, think so. They're not, but I always think it'll it'll catch up with you when your two tackles are so poor. And I think that's what happened. Um, I, I think you do. It's going to be again. This point of the draft, a mock goes wildly wrong by this point, 
so it's all down to who's actually going to be available at this point. If one of the top pass rushing avail- players are available there, that's the direction I'd rather see them go and then take tackles in the second round, third round, stock up there because I think the, the top-end talent at those positions will have already gone. And I think Scheme does hide the quality. But the flip side of the coin is I agree with you. That will get you to the championship game. Is it going to win you the Super Bowl? Maybe not. Yeah, and, and I mean, they kind of looked into a couple of situations. that You can't say looked into them because at the end of the day, it was their player that got them there. But the, the way those Seattle and, and Arizona games went were just bizarre for playoff games. And and certainly Seattle were as good a team as Carolina were last year. It was just a dreadful start to the game that ultimately cost them it. So... I think it is a problem, and and I think it was a it was a reason why in second half of games last year they they kind of lost the plot on offense and especially down the stretch. Um, thinking of that Seattle game, I don't think they scored a point in the second half. A lot of people put that down to negativity, but maybe it was the defense figuring out the cleverness of the the clever schemes, and ultimately their guys having success against that offensive line. I do think it's an area that it need to address. I'm, I'm not in love with Spriggs, but I, I don't think that they'll take... Gettleman's obsessed in the trenches. I think he's admitted that himself. So I think it'll be defensive line or offensive line. They're not going to take a cornerback and they'll point to finding Josh, Josh Norman in the fourth or fifth round as a, an example of why and the fact that they picked up Robert McLean on the street and and who else was there? There was another cornerback they picked up on the street at the end of last year who started for them in the Super Bowl. So... That's what they'll point to in that. So I think it'll be alignment either way, and then it's just a toss-up from there. Yeah, no, I think spot on. It's fascinating. We're going to have to, we've got two teams with this uh, with these Super Bowl finals. Where firstly you you've had the, we've just had the Panthers, and we've said there are a few areas of need there, and then the Broncos, probably the first team since the Ravens, who come into this point in the draft with as much need as they do because. They obviously lost their starting quarterback. They've lost uh, players on the defensive line. They could maybe do with some help at inside linebacker because they've lost free agents there. The offensive line, so, you know, for a team who just won a championship, they've got some holes. They have got some holes, and it'll be interesting to see where they go. I think they'll go, I've, I've given them Cody White here, um, and I think they will go guard because, again, there's so many defensive tackles. So they can replace Malik Jackson later on in the draft. Linebacker, I think the the best three guys have gone. I think any of the three above would be great, but I can't see them falling this far. If Ragland, who might was available, I think they'd think about it heavily. Um, but yeah, I mean they need to improve their their offensive line in all facets, both in run blocking and pass protection. But mainly, they need to be able to run the ball because their defense should still be good. The the Kubiak offense is predicated on running the ball, and they don't want to be throwing the ball much with Mark Sanchez, Brian Hoyer, whoever's going to be starting. So I think getting the the best guard available, and and I know Simon mentioned that yesterday that Fedi, the the tackle guard prospect, might go higher than than Whitehead. I I don't think he would in this scenario. I think I think John Elway would pick the best guard available because I think that's what can help him most immediately. Well, there you go. That's our 31 picks. We touched on the Patriots briefly uh, earlier. Uh, you said their needs uh, the inside, you think, are slightly overrated. I do think offensive line, even though you picked up guys last year, is a position of consideration. Just, I know it's impossible to project who's going to be available at 60, 61, 62, wherever it is you pick first. 
But just where would you like to see the Patriots looking to make the improvements that they need to make? Uh, I think they'll, even though they signed Terence Knight, and that's only a one-year deal, I think they'll try and draft a defensive tackle. Um, Malcolm Brown, last year's first-round pick, had a fantastic rookie year by the end. He was really average at the start of the year and then was brilliant at the end of the season. So I'd expect him to make a big leap, but I think they'd like to find a pass-rushing inside guy if they can get one. They've got a lot of big bodies at the moment without that pass rusher. So I think a, a pass rushing defensive tackle, uh, a swing offensive tackle because Marcus Cannon is not a very good player. Sebastian <laughs> Volmer looked old at the end of last year, whether he was nursing an injury or not remains to be seen. So I think they need a developmental tackle who could potentially play right tackle and, and fill in for Volmer a bit because I'm not sure Volmer can, can... He's had injury problems all the way through his career. I'm not sure he can handle a full season's worth of work anyway it's going to be interesting uh, to see how uh, how Jonathan Cooper fits in on that side of the line as well yeah, so. and this is the, he's another guy as the as the guard I mean I, I think whatever they get from him will be a bonus but I think they will want to work with him and Dante Skarnecki is back now who is probably the, the best offensive line coach in the league if you listen to to what people say and I think that's important I mean they got David Andrews last year was an undrafted guy who played a lot of the season at centre and was really good Brian Stoke was out for most of last year, played at the end of the season, played a bit of right tackle last season and guard, but ultimately as a centre who was outstanding in his rookie year. So he's good. And then the two the two young guards that they drafted last year are, are just young. I mean, the developmental guys, and I think they'll expect a big leap forward from those guys. And they've also got um, Josh Klein, who was brilliant at the, for the first half of last year and then really tailed off, but from my understanding was was carrying a bit of an injury that wasn't reported. So I think the interior offensive line's a lot better than people think. They could do with another cornerback. Um, they had a guy last year that drafted late called Daryl Roberts who was placed on IR early, who they like, um, as, as a potential third guy behind Malcolm Butler and um, Logan Ryan, who were both really better than expected last year, really, really good. And I think Butler in particular will have a really big season this year. So they need a cornerback as well. They need a running back. They need a wide receiver. Um, but those are, I mean, ultimately the wide receiver can be a developmental guy because I think they're, they're excited by Chris Hogan and the lads are going to play two and three tight ends. 7-Eleven. Uh, yeah. Open all day. This one so yeah, I think, I, think that, I think they might draft a, a developmental tight end as well. But I think the main need... And there aren't many. The, the roster is, is, is pretty loaded, to be honest. A, a penetrating, pass-rushing defensive tackle and an offensive tackle will be the two I'd look at. Look, let's be honest. You're not actually a, uh, you're not actually a team who draft as well as a team who, who perform as well as you do, if you know what I mean. I'm, I'm not saying you're not a bad drafting team, but I don't think you guys are like Aussie Newsom or these teams who only build through the draft. But I'm, I'm Bill not, Belichick I'm, manages I'm, to pick up these phenomenal, ridiculous, off-the-street guy free agents, and you'll find some holes, and then you'll bring some guys in and probably go to the Super Bowl again. I think they've actually drafted incredibly well over the last few years. Um, Jamie Collins. Uh, the, the problem is that the, the boom and bust in, in the draft, of, they've had Tavon Wilson and now Dominic Easley, who haven't worked out, but... Collins, Hightower, Jones was a good pick. Yeah, I'm not saying, this is what I'm saying. I'm saying you're not a bad drafting team. I think you're an average to slightly above average, but now you, but you just, you do so much outside of that that 
it, you know, we won't worry about it. You won't have your quarterback for the first. You won't have your quarterback for the starting, however many games, and then you won't have for the first four games, and then you won't have your. Um, You'll do so. You'll troll the Jets and go and pick up Ryan Fitzpatrick for those four games. Uh, you won't have a quarterback for your first four games. You won't have a first round pick, and you'll still put together a phenomenal year, I'm sure. Super Bowl, yeah, I think. There we go. Right, uh, look, uh, always a pleasure. Just let people know this was Wednesday. The draft is tomorrow. Uh, we're going to be live tweeting throughout the draft from at Gridiron. Any more content people can be looking out for in particular? Yeah, we'll have loads of stuff. We'll have some reaction pieces. We'll have some pieces from the most recent issue that relate to certain guys in the draft there's going to be loads of stuff so just please keep going back to the website and checking it out and certainly we'll be looking to do a reaction pod as well on the friday morning as we have done in the last two seasons uh, even though it means i don't sleep uh, it's fine yeah, i do sure. that for you people because i love you so <laughs> we'll try and get that in as well uh, otherwise thank you very much my sherry brilliant cheers man Brilliant. Thank you for listening. This has been The Gridiron Show in association with Sports Travel Tours. Sports Travel for sports fans and by sports fans. Interact with us. Get in touch with us on Twitter at Gridiron throughout the draft. It's coming. It's Thursday night. Cannot wait. See you on Friday. Four days like no other. A festival like no other. For a bookmaker like no other. Bet Fred. Get up to £40 in free bets when you sign up using promo code CHELP40 and stake £10 on any Cheltenham race. Betfred, at the heart of Cheltenham. 18 plus, new UK customers only. Available from March 6th to March 13th. £30 free bets credited within 10 hours of first bet settlement. Extra £10 free bets credited if first bet loses. Full terms at betfred.com slash promotions. Keep it fun. Begambleaware.org.